This is Goobzoog, just letting all you students out there know, if you're listening to this teachers and parents only podcast, I am aware that you are listening. I use PodTrack's elite Prime subscription to find the IP addresses and the physical addresses of every single listener in North America. I know you're listening, and I'm going to call your parents tomorrow if you don't turn the podcast off right now. Goodbye. Uh, what the fuck are you holding, Diana? Oh. Um, we're about to do the the, the snack report. Snack challenge. (laughs) This is not a challenge. Um, I have... Taki's original? Taki's original Werther's? I didn't know. I just thought, like, Taki's are, like, hot or nothing, right? Uh, listen, there's flaming Hot, there's Nitro, or there's, but uh, I've there's Hot, there's... the green packaging of Taki's original. Also, there's, like, a power there's button. Habanero, there's, there's a zombie. power button with the Taki's coming out of the power button. Like, you know, the symbol for a power button. The, the circle with a, uh, a vertical line through it. Um, yeah. Tus takis están hinchos con maíz que es fuente de fibra, son libres de grasas trans. Uh, so basically, all of that is Spanish for this is made out of these is takis without flavor, y'all. This is made out of corn, the fiber of the corn, and <laughs> there's no trans fats. <laughs> That's exactly what I, I need from a snack. This is this is what I this is the tra- the translation. So, uh, so today we have we have a trifecta. We have yeah. three from the bottom of the bag. Takis originals that we just talked about. Right. This is interesting. Um, I haven't I haven't had Funyuns in a long time, but this is Funyuns, uh, flaming hot Funyuns, which I'm gonna say is the flaming hot Cheetos version. Exactly. Of uh, so Fl- Flamin' Hot used to be used to be a friend of mine, or, or sorry, I should say Funyuns used to be a friend of mine, and Flamin' Hot has always been a friend of mine. So I'm I'm really excited about the combo of the two. And then we also have Lay's Kettle Cooked um, Classic Beer Cheese uh, flavored. Uh, beer cheese is pub cheese, which is like a dip. Can you explain pub cheese? Pub cheese is basically a dip. With the consistency of cream cheese, but the taste of Velveeta. Or I was even gonna say it's like it's like if you just froze over cheese whiz. If yes. you just had like a puddle of cheese whiz I that feel was like solid. Beer cheese is a very British thing. It's so British. So I when just I think it's interesting that it says classic beer cheese with a lightning bolt in between beer and cheese. And there's a picture of beer on it, which is like pretty out there for Lay's kettle chips. And there's like a wedge of cheese. Which, Which is, is not, not beer, beer cheese. cheese. But there's a can't bowl do of beer cheese. But it's behind the beer and the cheese. So when, when I bought those, I I can safely say I did not know what beer cheese was. Oh, I, or I knew what the concept was, but I don't think I had ever had it. But since buying those... Well, I have news for you. I... Yeah. Are we going to say the same thing? These don't taste like beer cheese. This tastes like sour cream and onion potato chips. But it's pretty good. But... But since since buying those, I have had Trader Joe's beer cheese. Yeah, that's and you get it. Diana, it is the best fucking thing in so my good. entire life. Trade, do yourself a favor right now. Stop this podcast. 
put it on pause, go into the car, put the podcast back on Bluetooth, and then go to your nearest Trader Joe's and get some fucking pub cheese. It's so delectable. Pub cheese and beer cheese are the same, right? Same thing. Absolutely. That's same what thing. I yeah, I don't know why they call it beer cheese. It's pub cheese. But if you get the Lay's Kettle Cook Classic beer cheese, expect them to taste like sour cream. And they're onion. they're okay though. Next. I mean, yeah, they're they're not hitting the mark, but they're okay. I'm saving the funyuns for last. Okay. Actually, speaking of anything flaming hot, my friend from Japan was just visiting, and she said, "Man, all I want to buy and bring home to Japan is flaming hot Cheetos." <laughs> Let's try Taki's original. So, Taki's original. No. It, well, here's the thing. It's a Frito. Yeah. It's a hard Frito. Okay, so. No. I'm a, I'm a big fan of canceled TV shows. Sure. Love canceled TV shows. I have a wall of DVDs, mostly of canceled TV shows. And if you've ever watched a TV show from the early aughts or the 90s, you always notice that, you know, they didn't quite get the, the, the pitch right in the meeting to get right, right, 12 right. episodes, so they got a pilot, right? And they shot their pilot, and their pilot generally stunk ass. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they still got picked up for a season anyway. These Takis are the pilot of, takis. of Hot Takis. Yeah. Because this is like, somebody went into... Bueno, Buoco. What's the what's the B there? What's the fucking brand? Barcel. Somebody went into Barcel and was like, yo, check it out. I took a Dorito and I rolled it up and it's a pretty amazing shape. And they were like, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. It has a harder bite though. That's cool, that's cool, that's cool. This is terrible. Now we're gonna make it better and we're gonna add flavor to it because it has zero flavor. And now we have hot Takis. I still prefer Flamin' Hot Takis and Flaming Hot Cheetos over these Funyuns. Flamin' Hot Funyuns. The Funyuns, it's a nice attempt. Yeah. And I like the consistency of Funyuns, so I can see what they were going for. But the, 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 you lose all the onion flavor, and you don't have enough of the Flamin' Hot flavor. Right. And it kind of washes out into nothing. No. It's an unfortunate marriage. Yeah. It's a bad arranged marriage. That's all we can say. I mean, usually those work out based we on all Bollywood out films, but, you we know. We struck out today, Gabe. Yeah. Uh, it's not your fault. That's three strikes. Lay's from three different brands. Lay's, Barcel, and who's Funyuns by? That's a really good question. That could be Frito-Lay's, too. I don't know. Frito-Lay. Frito-Lay. We struck out. Bad snacks. Hey, the report is not always a good report. Sometimes, you know, as we learned from, from the old terror days of the aughts, sometimes you're in the orange. Sometimes you're in the red. Yeah. Sometimes you are terror and pollen-free. Green zone, baby. I do have to cut the flame with the beer cheese, though, because it's a little hot. See, I think I think that you're underselling beer cheese. I do. <coughs> I think that in your heart of hearts, you like the beer cheese. You just no. don't want to admit that it's a pretty delicious. I like it chip. if it said sour cream and onion on it. 
don't sell me beer cheese and give me sour cream and onion. You know, it's always possible, Diana, since I tend to eat half the bag before you come over. It's always possible. You didn't open the Takis today, though. I didn't open the Takis because I knew they were going to suck. <laughs> it's always possible that I just ate the most flavorful chips out of there. As you know, I am a cherry picker. So you could have just missed out on the especially beer cheesy ones. But then again... Lay's only has their self to blame if their dusting method is not good enough uh, to hit all their me. chips. Yes. Uh, so when we left off before Washing the break. Washing this with whiskey on the rocks, though. It's a lot on, of flavors going on. Because on. On like, I finished my can of seltzer. On a 92 degree day here in uh, balmy New York City. Yeah. Still have my dull crayon shirt on, though. I changed for you today. Very impressive after work. Um, when we left off before the break. Yes. We were talking not only about how hard it is to be a parent, how hard it is to be a preschooler. <coughs> <laughs> yeah. But we had just learned breaking news across the wire. Uh, typewriter music, folks. Uh, I got it. That... Uh, we are ruining childhood here this in article America. Literally came in while we were talking. Yep. And then Diana forwarded it to me as though Malin, uh, co host of the show Malin, had not talked to me about it this weekend, as though MOP, mother of the pod, Ellen, had not sent it to me this weekend. How come I get it like four I have, days later? I don't know. I have seen this article so much, I want to die. And mostly because, like all things in education, I'm seven years ahead of it, which means Diana is 11 years ahead of it, which means it's passe, it's old news, and in this case especially so. But, again, back to the headline. It's an op-ed piece, keep in mind. From, well, I'm pretty sure it's an op-ed piece from the editor of The Times himself. It's not, it's not from a contributor. It's from, it says opinion. Who wrote this? Kim Brooks? Who wrote that sentence? Ms. Brooks is a writer. So not an editor. Oh, I've read Brooks before. Brooks is a writer. Huh. Wait, where? Let's go there. It's right under the picture of the kid with all the arrows and stuff. I know, but I want to see what Brooks is. Brooks is the author of Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so she so claims to have some knowledge about this topic. I, I, I think she she's knows not some she, angry mom or something like that. I think she knows what she's doing. Or she could be an angry mom. I okay. think she knows what she's doing, but we're going to get to why exactly she's seven years behind the times. Diana. Well, would, yeah, this is something we've been talking about for ages. Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you take it away for us? Give us. I'm a just gonna kiss. give you the give opener. Us a bit. Give us the open. The opener like is the, open. the opener is great. The open sells it. Okay, opinion, we have ruined childhood. For youngsters these days, an hour of free play is like a drop of water in the desert. Of course they're miserable. Great opener. It's all you need to know. It's all you need to know. And good night. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Uh, before, before we go on, I was recently at uh, a, a talk. Um, this was at City College of New York. And it was led by my kindergarten teacher, my preschool, my pre-K and kindergarten teacher, Yvonne Smith, 
who if My you kindergarten teacher is definitely dead. If you know if you know anything about progressive education in New York in the eighties, nineties, noughts, Yvonne Smith is the name to know. And something that she said in this talk was uh, that she gets asked all the time, being still a pre-K and kindergarten teacher in an era of testing and all of this other and a traditional swing right now, she gets asked all the time, hey, why don't you teach more to this? Why do you still do this? Wouldn't it be better if you prepared them for what their hellish life is going to be like in first grade? And it's funny because she uses a desert metaphor as well. And she says to them, well, let's look at it this way. If they're about to go on, you know, a 20-year trek into the desert, do we want to starve them beforehand to prepare them for how miserable that thing is going to be? Or do we want to fill their bellies as much as we can with all the love and joy and experiences and and then send them off, you know, full and, like, ready for it. Like, and, I mean, you know, fucking anybody can make an argument out of either of those, but I think hers is a good point that why should we starve them before they go into the wilderness? Yeah. Like, they should get something for this. But what this article goes on to say is that it's all bad. We've taken kindergarten away yeah, and made it first and made it first and second grade. hundred percent. We've taken pre-K away. We've taken play all day away. We've taken recess away. That there is nothing about uh, there's just there's just nothing about childhood education. Fuck education. There's nothing about childhood that we've learned over the last 150 years that we're implementing right now in American society. Mm. And I really want to emphasize American society. Yes. And the other thing, Diana, that you were just reading to me from this was about how, and I, I'd like you to find it right now, sure. is about how kids go from the structured activity to structured activity and we pretend like these things are play because they have names like, you know, soccer or hockey or hang but, gliding in, or in hang, gliding. hang gliding in espanol right or minecraft but they're not play there's nothing play about them right. because there's nothing creative there's nothing loose there's nothing open they're still these very regimented and specialized things that are completely devoid of like connection to anything and so for many children, when the school day is over, it hardly matters. The hours outside of school are more like school than ever. Children spend afternoons, weekends, and summers in aftercare and camps while their parents work. The areas where children once congregated for unstructured, unsupervised play are now off limits. And so those who can afford it drive their children from one structured activity to another. Those who can't keep them inside. Free play and childhood independence have become relics, insurance risks, and at times criminal offenses. There's also something how we how we are oh um, warehousing children. This is what I really liked. No longer able to rely on communal structures for childcare or allow children time alone, parents who need to work are forced to warehouse their youngsters for long stretches of time. School days are longer and more regimented. 
Kindergarten, which used to be focused on play, is now an academic training ground for the first grade. Young children are assigned homework, even though numerous studies have found it, it, it harmful. STEM, which for those of you who don't know, is science, technology, engineering, engineering and math. And math. <clears throat> I don't know why I got stuck on the E, because it should still be summer vacation. <laughs> STEM, standardized testing and active shooter drills have large, largely replaced recess, leisurely lunches, art, and music. Well, active shooter drills do happen, but I'm not going to say that it's replaced recess, but that, that's a little extreme. No. But I will say that STEM has replaced recess in some regards in some places where children don't have to go outside if they want to stay with the STEM or STEAM teacher. Right. Because there's an A in STEM. And they, and they might want to do that or they might choose to do that or they might have to do that because it's seen as something that will honestly subdue them, right? And it will it seems to keep them in check because they're so addicted to screens that they would many of them would choose to do something that involves a screen over or a toy over going out and running around and having to be on their own because they honestly haven't learned how to play. Right? These right. are kids who have never had recess, so they don't know how to play at recess. We know, we've seen this shit. But it's easy too, Diana, for me to connect this article to the one we just read about kicking kids out. Right. Because what I also heard when you were talking about warehousing kids was, okay, mom and dad are working, or mom is working, or dad is working, or whatever your family structure is, is working. And so your kid is at this space that they now pay for. And that's just, and, and, and they haven't been fully socialized because they're not playing, right. they're doing these very structured things, and if you don't do the structured thing, suddenly you're getting heat from the authority figure, and if you're getting heat and pressure from the authority figure, you're liable to lash out. You can see how it just becomes this you know, snowball effect, yeah. and suddenly you're kicked out, and you have no idea why you were kicked out. And it's like, well, I just thought I was gonna play, and it's like, well, no, that's not what this is. But your parents also don't know what this is because nobody knows what this shit is. Right. Um, like, I can't, Diana, I cannot tell you the number of kids that I have kicked out of camp this summer. And I'm, it's not a thing that I'm proud of. Right. And I give my kids because I am, I have to pretend to be Mr. Mean Guy to them, but I am Mr. Nice Guy. You all listeners at home know me. I am the man of 17,000 chances because... There's nothing I love more than a hard case, but unfortunately, that's not the way my camp works. That's not the way any day camp works. If you show any sign of pushback, they're done with you because there's no need for it. You're paying, they have the option. So it's the right to refusal, just like we were talking about before. And sorry, now you gotta figure something else out. But that's, that's the way it goes in these things because, yeah, your kid's out all summer. What the fuck else are you going to do with them? Right. Of course your job still goes. Unless you're a teacher, you're still working in July and August. Yeah. It's tough out there. It is. We're not giving parents enough anything. Well, that was what you were saying before we went back on air about, like, why are kids like people are just working more because 
life is just so much more expensive. Yeah. People don't have time to take off. They have to work and they have to work all the time. Diana, how many jobs do you work? Technically two. How many jobs does Geo work? Almost three. Uh, Geo was working like three jobs, but now he's working. But they were none of them were full time. Now he has one full time job. So as a family unit, but he will pick up weekend birthday parties and stuff if he has. That's to. a second job. As a family unit, on his own time, you and your husband have worked between four and six jobs, and we don't have kids together over the past three years. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I work three jobs myself. Pauline. I'm about to work three jobs. Pauline works two which jobs. Which we're going to talk about on another show. I mean, and, and uh, trust, I don't do any of these things for the love of them. I don't. There's not a single fucking one that I do for the love of them. Right. I do every single job to pay the bills. I tell my kids that. I tell my students at work. I tell my students at camp, I tell my tutoring subjects, I'm not here because I like you. That's a benefit. That's a bonus. It's a bonus that I love you. But yeah. nah, motherfucker, I'm here because I got student loans to pay. And we've had, we've had a whole episode on that. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go can back I just to that close right now. It, I, can I just close this out with one last thing? Because I think this phrase, screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, turn comes up a lot. Well, I'm not sure we're closing, but... but oh, we're I, not? I, well, I, I think I have a few more things to say on this, but let's okay. hear it. Because um, it's it, it mentions screen time. Many parents and pediatricians speculate about the role that screen time and social media might play in this social deficit. But it's important to acknowledge that simply taking away or limiting screens is not enough. Children turn to screens because opportunities for real-life human interactions have vanished. The public places and spaces where kids used to learn to be people have been decimated or deemed too dangerous for those under 18. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up because we are going to close on this. And, okay. And what I have to say about that is, and I, I said this off air too, which is it's it is a fallacy that screen time is a problem for kids. It is a truthism that screen time is a problem for human beings. Yeah, it's not just kids. It's because all. it's not just they kids. They just happen to be digital natives. Correct. It's not just kids, and y'all are fucking lying to yourselves if you don't have a problem with screen time, because you do. Anytime you Netflix and chill, you got a problem. Anytime you binge watch a new show, you got a problem, okay? You are on screens all the goddamn time, and it's completely atomized our society. I'm not saying screens are the problem. We have other reasons why our society is atomized. But the issue is, and you, Diana, brought this up too. You said something about the, the, the nuclear family being isolated. Yeah, and that's right? a, that's a, that in this article too. That, that That's just one sentence somewhere, and that's pretty much exactly but, how it was. But it's true. We can be together and Here, be completely I'll read, alone. I'll read you the sentence. Please. The work of raising children, once seen as socially necessary labor benefiting the common good, is an isolated endeavor for all 
but the most well-off parents. Right. Parents are entirely on their own when it comes to their offspring's well-being. Right. Right. We used to talk about this as raising a child takes a village, right? Right. And but now we've now lost the, the village. Now they're family is, is an isolated... Because we've lost the village. Because we we're hiding behind closed doors and we're hiding behind People screens. People live and don't even know where their freaking neighbors are. The further apart, the further apart you live from people, the worse off it gets, the more fear it embodies, the more afraid of the other that you are. But it's it's everywhere. And I told you, Diana, I've been reading this book. It's called Lost Connections. Everybody should read it. It's by Johan. I forget his last name. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's about that we've all lost these connections. Right. That we don't go out and do social things in the way that we used to. And and I don't think that's an us problem. I think that those things have been taken away from us, right? I think that like classes that, you know, we might go to and things that might be something that we would meet new friends at have been taken away from us or cost too much. And now we're having to like weigh that like, you know, cost benefit analysis of it. Right. Right. And it's just easier to stay home when it comes to something like that. Or it's just easier to do something by yourself instead of going to a, you know, sip and paint or whatever the fuck it is. Like, it's just too hard to I do these view, things. But like, I don't view life like that. And I never have. And I am I, am I lucky that I want to be out all the time and talking to people? Like, or am I, it's because I'm a zenial and I didn't grow up with the device. I don't know if it's lucky. I think it's, I think it's different. Because there's people and I won't, I won't, I won't chalk it. in the same environment with the same kinds of technology that are like prisoners in their own homes now. Yeah, and you know that they're they're the same age as you. They were born in the same See? month as you, in the same hospital as you. Like there are people, there are people like so I won't I won't chalk it up to a generational thing either because I think that the generational argument is so facile and so whack because especially what the generational argument misses when people blame millennials, not blame millennials, but when people complain about millennials and they say this, that, and the other, you know what they're forgetting? They're forgetting to look in the fucking mirror. They're forgetting to realize they that they're the ones that raised they have, millennials. They yeah. are the parents of millennials, and they're complaining about millennials. Motherfucker, it's you. You were supposed to do better. But they if you didn't want to see that, Generation do X, something. They complain about the baby boomers. They Every generation complains about the generation below them. This is not a new thing. Of course not. No, of course it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. But it's being viewed as it's a new thing. Well, Millennial but, is this really, really disastrous well, but, thing. But you know what's... No, but you're right that it's always been there. But you know what is new about it? Millennials are hearing it. Right? The baby boomers, they didn't know that the greatest generation hated them. They didn't know their parents hated them. They had no idea. Because there wasn't that kind of media then. They couldn't read it. They couldn't yeah. hear it on the radio. They couldn't listen to a podcast and find out that... Their parents hate them, right? But sure. but now no you can. For them to but find now it. you can find it. You could be 16 and pick up the New York Times and find out. Oh, everybody hates me. Oh, that's so interesting. Weird, huh? Yeah. Like, huh? There's like entire YouTube channels devoted to yelling at millennials. <laughs> like, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. So I, I just I. I think that it's, uh, I, I'm, look, like we said, I, we have we've no always, solutions. <laughs> we, no, 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 I, we don't have any, but like, like we've said, 
we've known this to be the case, right? The Times isn't just finding this out, and this isn't a study. I know, this is such an old... This isn't a study. This, this is an opinion This article might piece. as well be seven years old, but it's, like, literally from the weekend. Right. We've known this to be the case. What I think the issue really is, though, is that we're just figuring out that it's happening to all of us. And I think that that's actually what's scary to this writer, is that it's happening to adults and it's not going away. Yeah. Like, and that that's what we're, that's what we're passing on to our kids. Like, on top of the fucking shit environment and the shit economy and the shit this, like, we also are passing on no community. Like, None. completely independent, isolated islands of human beings yeah. that just simply cannot function. Yeah. It sucks. It does suck. Uh, so, major fucking bummer to leave on. But Diana... Well, we can do the D report. Diana, we're not leaving there. Because... <laughs> I got 3% left on the laptop, and I got to hear about your D report. You got to charge it. Give me the D report. I'm getting the charger right now. Talk to me. So, Diana, you've had a whirlwind summer. Yes. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. Give me a few locations you went to. Yes. Give me a few locations you went to, and then tell us about Galaxy's Edge. Yes. Okay. So, I went to a few places this summer in the world of Disney. Uh, in the Disney universe, I went to Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, I've been to Tokyo Disneyland before. I've actually been twice. This was my third time. But every time I've been to Tokyo Disneyland, uh, I've only spent one day in each park. And it's there's two parks in Tokyo. There's Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. And every time... I go to Tokyo Disneyland. It's like this whirlwind day. It's like 5 a.m. to, you know, freaking midnight, and it's crazy. But this time, I went with another Disney aficionado, and we spent um, three and a half days in Tokyo Disneyland. So that's two parks and three and a half days. So I really got to understand these parks in, on a whole new level which is um, was something new for me in the world in Tokyo Disney. And the weather was great. Because normally Japan is balls hot in July, <laughs> but apparently they were a month behind on the season. So instead of it being like the hot summer, it was like the mildly 70-ish degree rainy season. So it was overcast and drizzled pretty much most of the time, but not to a point where like the rain would like ruin your day. I just want to stop to say that for, for, for anybody to even deign to complain about Japanese weather as as a tourist shows how many times you've been to Japan. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've been three times. Um, no, because Japan like, is, I'm like, I've what? Only, Japan? Only, and you're like, yeah, the weather was okay this time, but it was better on my third time. <laughs> the thing is, I've only ever been to Japan in the summer, so I have right. nothing to base it off of other than the summer, but this is... Bitch, by- you gotta go in the winter. You got to do a Japanese Christmas now. Well, we are actually going to go to Japan in March, uh, April, and oh, hopefully okay. we'll see the cherry blossom. Nice, nice, nice. Nice, nice, So nice. we're going to do that. All right, all right. So it is definitely, uh, it was a great trip. It was definitely probably my favorite 
in at least in my top three of foreign Disney trips I've done. Nice. Purely because it was leisurely and it wasn't being run ragged. And I was in good company. And I met some new people. All right. So now I leave Disney, Tokyo Disneyland, and literally, oh, I'm sorry. I had an 18-hour layover in Hong Kong. And I spent seven hours in Hong Kong Disneyland. Because going to the city really wasn't much of an option this time around. It's not really a good place. It's not a good time to go to Hong Kong. Is that because Hong Kong is canceled? Yeah. 2019 Hong Kong, folks, canceled, in case you didn't know. Yeah. I know, you don't, I know listeners don't read the news, but oh, it's over. So I took my on advantage of my 18-hour layover in Hong Kong and went to Hong Kong Disneyland. BT Dubs, if you were a former British-run colony a la Hong Kong or Israel, your year sucks. Your year fucking sucks. I was in Israel, too, this summer. <laughs> Their year sucks. They love Donald Trump in Israel. Uh, that's because they, they're run by a fascist. They love that guy. Um, okay, so let's... So I, I went to Hong Kong... I, so I went to Hong Kong Disneyland for seven hours. A pro, like, exactly seven hours. And let me tell you something. Hong Kong in the summer is is as hot if not hotter than the freaking devil's ass crack it is so humid you need every ounce of energy you have just to walk through that park and get through it i know i i am i am aware i just want to say it out loud i am aware that hong kong and china are not the same place but i just want to mention speaking of hotness hong kong is warmer well, that, that the hottest marathon, the hottest Olympic marathon on record was the China Olympics. What city were they in? Do you remember? I don't know. Beijing. Remember. Beijing. It was the Beijing Olympics. It Which was, is more north and should be cooler. But, it should be. But it was but fucking like. But that city is so like, smog ridden and like, it was the like, air quality is so. It's the worst in Beijing. It was like the fucking worst air quality. 83 degrees, but real feel of like 92 or something. And runners were dying out there. Yeah, people, people predicted it would be the worst marathon run. Somehow they like still did it in under 220. And people were like, oh, my God. I don't even know. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, when I was in Shanghai... Shanghai. <laughs> Are you still practicing for the school year? Yeah, whatever. When I was in Shanghai uh, two years ago, it was like 104 degrees, but the real field was like 120. Oh, my God. And oh we were God. in Disneyland that day. It's crazy. So anyway, so I went to Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, Hong Kong. Okay, this is something really funny about, or maybe not funny. So Hong Kong Disneyland, if, if, you, if you're interested in the history of theme parks which I happen to be, there's a really great YouTube channel called Defunct Land, and it analyzes uh, defunct rides and attractions, mostly in Disney parks. But it actually has a 30-minute episode of the failure of Hong Kong Disneyland. Hong Kong Disneyland was constructed in 2005 by Michael Eisner. It was one of his last, like, fuck yous to the company before he left. And he built it. It was the, I think it was like the most budget park he's ever built. It was part of his budget park initiative 
where he said, oh, we can build like a really budget Disney park, but since it's Disney, people will still come. And we don't even need to put like all the rides, just like some of the rides. And anyway. He not wrong. Yeah, he well, he was. Oh, Hong okay. Kong Disneyland <laughs> is a huge failure. And it's the only park that's like constantly in the red. Still 14 <laughs> years later. So Iger's like, before Iger leaves CEO, which will be around next year, he's like, you know what? I'm going to literally whip out my wang and take a piss on Iger's Hong Kong Disneyland. He is knocking down the castle currently and building a bigger one there. And he is like, he's like, oh, we're going to have a Marvel land, a Frozen land, a Star Wars land. Do it, baby. Iger, write your name in the snow. Fucking take that dick out. Take that big (laughs) D out. Write it in Arendelle. Yo, put it in the sky. (laughs) B-I. Get that. Um... Yo, make Snow White sing. Make that Cinderella bitch wet. Totally. So, <laughs> you're funny. Um, so, he's going to... So, that's going to happen. But what they also did, which was really smart, is um, Mickey's teddy bear Duffy is a very, 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 very popular character Okay. in Tokyo. Nobody really knows who Duffy is. In America, they've tried to bring Duffy over to America. Well, he started. He who's he was born in Epcot, but he was just such a failure. Nobody cared about Mickey's teddy bear. It was like this new character they created in the early aughts. Does does this character Duffy. show up? And does Duffy the teddy bear show up in any movies? Is Duffy no. in like Fantasia He's, that I don't know about? He or is. Something? He is a park IP exclusive. He's not okay. in any movies. So anyway, when he when when Eisner saw that Duffy was failing at Epcot, basically he was a sailor teddy bear that Mickey that Minnie made for Mickey. So when he went on his voyages around the world, showcased all the countries in Epcot, he had a friend. This is the stupidest S- fucking concept I have ever heard of, and Disney has stupid shit that I hate. Well, I think the reason why Duffy was created is because Build a Bear was created around the same time, and they needed a competitor, and they needed a bear. That's fine. That's literally why I think because he looks like Build a Bear, and you can like, sure. and you can pick outfits for him and stuff. I'm pretty sure that if you wanted, if you're Disney and you're Michael Eisner, that in 2005, you could buy the rights to Paddington Bear before any movies come out for a song. And you could have Paddington in all your stores and everybody in the globe would know who you were. But Duffy, don't nobody know what a Duffy is. Well, if you're a Japanese person, you know who Duffy is. (laughs) So anyway, Duffy... So when he failed, in, when Duffy failed in Epcot, they, Michael Eisner's like... Hashtag Duffy fail. <laughs> Michael Eisner said, okay, we need a mascot for the new park we're building in Tokyo called Tokyo Disney Sea. And since Duffy is a sailor, and this is a coastal-based theme park where instead of there's lands, there's ports, let's just bring them over there and let's see how the Japanese... Wow, that's a stretch, Mike. Well, guess what? It worked. <laughs> and the freaking Japanese... Duffy is far more popular than Mickey Mouse in Japan. Far more. 
Every man, woman, and child knows who Duffy is. So then, of course, so that was 2001. They also know who Doraemon is, okay? Oh, like, Doraemon. they know everybody. They love their they love their cute shit. Now, listen, let me tell you something. Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, excuse me. My neighbor Totoro is everybody's tattoo in Japan, okay? <laughs> it's true. It's so true. they love their cutesy shit. This yeah. is not a shock. Kawaii realness is real. <laughs> so here, here's what happened. So... Tokyo Disney Sea, the second gate. Now, second gates notoriously don't do well right away. Disney's California Adventure, huge failure. Um, I would say the only second gate that really. Oh, Walt Disney Studios Paris, huge failure. These things are still failures in their own right. I would say the only second gate that did well off the bat was Epcot. So. Nobody really had high hopes for Tokyo Disney Sea, but since the and the park opened on September fourth, two thousand one, a week before nine eleven. Jesus Christ! It's in Japan, so it's a little different, like travel market. But still, a it's lot 9/11. of nine eleven. It's nine eleven. Everything suffered, despite the fact that this park opened a week before nine eleven, was a really really strange concept. This park is by far more popular than Tokyo Disneyland. And it's fair. It is gorgeous. It is well-themed. It's beautiful. It's original. It's everything Walt Disney probably would have ever wanted from a theme park. It's amazing. And it wasn't even built really by Disney. It was built with, by the Oriental Land Company with Disney in mind as consultants and Imagineers. Okay. So anyway, Hong Kong. So the, Okay, so Duffy... Duffy shows up. We love Duffy. So now Duffy needs a girlfriend, right? Of course. So Duffy has a, a she's like a, he's a, he's like a. Of course, a I'm, I'm sorry. Duffy is a male Disney character. So he obviously needs a heterogeneous. Uh, yes. N- uh, female cohort to. Sure. Pal around with. I mean, he's not a Chippendale per se. <laughs> He can't just Bert and Ernie, Chip and Dale, the Bert and Ernie of Disney. Is that what you're saying? Chip and Dale are definitely the Bert and Ernie. I mean, let's not pretend they're brothers. They're not. They are partners. Okay, fine. Whatever. It's 2019. Uh, excuse me. They they run a detective agency, as as I last recall. <laughs> they are definitely gay lovers. Okay. So Duffy gets a girlfriend. Now Duffy is a camel color. She's like a slight, like. If camel and pink had a color together, but she's not entirely. Sorry, pink. I don't. I don't mean to have outed Chip and Dale just now. I know that we can get in trouble in 2019 for outing people like, uh, say, Lindsey Graham, who's been gay for 140 years now because he's a Southern vampire. But you know, I'm just saying, I, 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 I don't want to have crossed a line. You no. Know, hashtag, no. hashtag, me too. Hashtag, I'm not, I'm not offended. Hashtag friends with uh, Dorothy. Friends with nuts. Friends with nuts. <laughs> Because <laughs> that would definitely be Chippendale. There's literally T-shirts, and they all say "nuts about you." So, oh my God, Chippendale nuts shirts. about you is good. That's so good. Okay, so okay, Duffy continue. gets his girlfriend, Shelly May. I'm gonna say like this all happened really quickly. Like it was Duffy alone for a while, and I would say maybe like six years ago he gets this girlfriend, Shelly May. Okay, Shelly May, hit. She's like this muted pink, like gray bow. She's not like too bright. She's like a very like 
pastel, like calming. She's Duffy with a bow, just like Mick, Minnie is Mickey Mouse with eyelashes and a bow. Uh, excuse the me. Same. The preferred analogy is uh, Miss Pac-Man is Pac-Man <laughs> with a bow. Thank you. <laughs> so now we got Duffy and Shelly Mae, but then like a year or two later, they're like, oh, we're going beyond bears. Yo, by the way, Duffy and Shelly Mae are the most southern white trash <laughs> names that these Hong Kong Asian uh, bears can have. Oh, 100%. By the way, they were born in Cape Cod. That's their origin story. Oh, my fucking God. That's so hysterical. Wait, pause. Do all Disney creatures have a birthplace that's based in, like... Well, the only reason Planet why, Earth, circa 20th century? Um, no, but the only reason why I think Like, Duffy, does Mickey have a birthplace? He, on a train in, from going from Chicago to New York? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't mean the place where Disney no, I know. thought of I don't him. Know, I just mean, like... Duffy in particular has a birthplace Okay, so what's, what's, Goofy's, what's Goofy's son's name, right? Max. Okay, does Max have a birthplace? That is like Toontown? I don't know. (laughs) The reason why Duffy is from Cape Cod is because there's a Cape Cod section at Tokyo Disney Sea, and and he's a sailor, and so I guess it just made sense that, I don't know. So wait, is there a Duffy nativity scene at the Cape Cod section then, where you can see the birth of Duffy because he's clearly their Christ figure in Japan? Yeah, it's in Nazareth. So so then a couple so we she got, says as though he's the one being ridiculous about this. so Shelly Mae and Duffy are like tearing it up right in Tokyo Disney oh my god they're painting now, that by fucking the way, town red you can only get the the Duffy and friends merchandise in Tokyo Disney Sea. you can't get it at Disneyland he has sure. no presence in Tokyo Disneyland just the park across the street at Tokyo Disney Sea. sure exclusivity so then, exclusivity so then a couple of years later they're like oh Duffy has a friend that's not a bear. And this is... this is Oh, a, a friend outside of his own race? Yes. This is weird. His name is Gelatoni. Is He's, he a jellyfish? He is a French cat who is a painter who likes gelato. This is adorable. I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of I have I'm picture. kind of wet for Gelatoni right now. Yeah, Gelatoni I'm, is by far my favorite. You know what I'm feeling right now? I'm feeling a little tingle like I'm in the mid 90s and Beanie Babies are this is exactly shooting through the stock is. market. This is exactly That's what this what is. That's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling nobody rare, in America rare Gelatoni merch is about to hit me. Like a crush of orgasms. And nobody in America knows about this. Okay, so then two years ago, Duffy got... So a year after, about a year or two after Gelatoni, we got a new friend. And she's a lilac bunny rabbit who has dreams of being a Broadway dancer. And her name is Stella Lou. Oh my God. She sounds like she's based on Kristen Chenoweth, the person, yes. but as an animal. Yes. This is hysterical. This is exactly what this is. And they all have places within Tokyo Disney Sea that works in their story. Honestly, I, I, I'd like everybody to leave the room right now so I can be with myself and my gelatoni thoughts for just a minute. Okay. So now Iger's like, okay, we got low-ass attendance at Hong Kong Disneyland, okay? <laughs> like, it's bad. Even with all this sex appeal. 
it's it's just no one's going there so you know what we're gonna do and also the duffy characters are also in hong kong disneyland okay but by the way by the way have we established because i know that in france we established that disney paris is at the end of a train line is Hong Kong Disney at the end of a train line? Because that's yes. very important. God damn it. Disney, get it done at the end of them train lines. You got to take that train. It's like the Brighton Beach line. You got to just hit it and It's also it. a 15-minute ride for the airport on in a taxi. Hells yeah. So, like, when I landed, I was in Hong Kong Disneyland within 30 minutes. I can't get to Bunyan's Golden Nugget in 15 minutes from the fucking Las Vegas And airport. that shit's close. And it is close to the strip. No, it's close. Yeah. That's huge. Hong Kong Disneyland is way closer to the airport than Vegas is to the strip. Oh. Than it, the airport is to the strip. It sounds like Hong Kong Disney is closer than, like, the Quiznos within the airport. Oh, yes. <laughs> so listen. To your terminal. So Iger's like... Okay, we put the we put the Duffy characters in Hong Kong very successful. Asia clearly loves the Duffy verse. Like we're we're in it. So he's like, okay, this is a two and a half hour plane ride for the Japanese. It's very close. So this is what I'm gonna do. That's a day trip. It is a day it's trip. Nothing. It's a weekend. It's, it's nothing. nothing. So Iger said, Duffy's gonna have a fifth friend. But she is only going to appear in Hong Kong Disneyland and nowhere else. Well, because she doesn't she doesn't have a passport, so she can't travel anywhere so else. So Cookie, she's stuck to Hong Kong. Cookie is a golden doodle who is a is a pastry chef. Fucking hell! Why are they all? Why wait? Why are they all Parisian for some reason? I don't know. <laughs> so now, Cookie, why does everybody sound like a Ratatouille so B side? So Cookie is exclusive to Hong Kong Disneyland, and her entire line in Hong Kong is Japanese girls waiting to meet her. It's a sixty-minute line. It worked. The Japanese are going to Hong Kong just only to meet Cookie and not even go on Space Mountain. Wow! I know. So branding, son. Yo, so then, all you, all you, all you MBAs out there, y'all better be listening because you thought that that Eisner couldn't get it done, got it done. No, this is Eisner. Iger. This I'm is sorry. Iger. I'm sorry. Eisner shit the bed, but you don't scrap it. You fucking piss on his grave, Eisner, Eisner dance should... on his grave, and make him watch you fuck his ex girlfriend. Eisner shit on the bed. But Iger put the Egyptian cotton on. God damn it. So God then, damn it. So then Iger was like, okay, well, I got them to go to Hong Kong Disneyland. I think I can get them to go a little further. Hawaii isn't that far. So there is a Disney resort in Hawaii. I fucking tricked these dumbass anime hoes into traveling across one sea. I can get them to go the other direction. Right. And and head towards California. It's just a hip scop, hop and a jump. It's it's really not that far. It's like maybe a six hour plane ride. It's nothing. You can do like a four day weekend in Hawaii if you live in Japan. Hit Hawaii. Hit Hawaii. Then you're on to LA, and then you're back in Japan in no time. And Come on. And then you go Come to on. Disneyland. That's what I'm saying. Cross that ocean. All right. So he's like, so Olani is the Disney Resort. It's in Oahu, I think, and. It's gorgeous. It's cre- it was designed by the guy who made Animal Kingdom. And 
the and the same guy that made Shanghai Disney, Joe Rohde, who is my Imagineer hero, and he worked with native artists and architects and Hawaiians say this is the most Hawaii Hawaii looking place you'll ever go to. It's very authentic. Hawaiians say that Joe Rohde is more Hawaiian than Hawaii has ever been this in is any the most, century. This is the most ever. Hawaiian, authentically Hawaiian resort ever. And it's made by Disney. And Hawaiians have said this. He's a Hawaiian's Hawaiian? He, he's American, but he... I mean, come on. Come an, on. He's an American that does his research. Okay? All right. So Iger's like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make... So that I got them to go to Hong Kong, the Japanese. Now I'm going to get them to go to Hawaii. How am I going to do that? I'm going to make another Duffy character, and it's only going to be in the freaking Hawaiian resort. Okay, I'm not going to so lie. You can meet, so you can meet this character by the pool in Hawaii, and his name is Olu, and he's a sea turtle that plays the ukulele. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not going to lie. I was fully on board this whole fucking Here, this wild them. goose chase. I was fully on board this whole wild goose chase up to five characters because, God damn it, power in fives, okay? Now magic, we have six. Magic three, power in fives, and I'm thinking, God damn it, this universe is solid. But I can only be dragged by my nose so far. And you want to tell me there's a sixth character? And, oh, yeah, just like the fifth character, I can only see the sixth character in a certain resort. And, oh, yeah, I got to travel several hours to that resort. And, oh, yeah, I got to wait in line after that. Blah, 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 blah. But he's also Sorry. a turtle. He's not fuzzy. I'm starting, I'm starting to see through you. I'm starting to see through you, Iger, even as a 18-year-old Japanese native. Uh, it's, it's just. Well, look how cute these characters It's getting are. weird. Okay, I'm looking at the characters. I'm um, seeing five of them. They I don't are, have Olu because Olu's not in the park. So They are adorable. Uh, trust me. Listen, if you're looking at these characters right now, you're like, holy shit. It's like, it's like, it's like going from one, <clears throat> it's like going from one Power Rangers universe to another Power Rangers right. universe. And you're like, oh my God. Power Rangers were great, but now there's Ninja Power Rangers? Oh my god, there's Dinosaur Power Rangers? Holy right. shit! There was there's Mickey Space Min Power Rangers? I am jizzing myself. Like, there was Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, Donald, Goofy, Chippendale? Now there's these guys? No. Yeah. This is awesome sauce, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm getting tugged a little too far, so I'm just, all I'm asking, Diana, is for you to land this ship, because I know that Iger's gonna do it. I know he can do it. I believe in Bob Iger. So tell me, how does he land the, the Ouija or whatever it is on fucking Honolulu and make all the bitches come? I don't really know. That's Olu the turtle. I don't really know what's happening with Yo, Olu. If I can describe Olu. Uh, Olu. He's, he's Jack Johnson as a turtle. No, no, no. He's better than Jack Johnson. He's close to Jack Johnson. What he really is is he is fucking old man Jimmy Buffett. Oh, yeah. And, oh, not, 100%. and not the investor. He is Margaritaville Jimmy Buffett wearing what appears to be a, a vest. Like a, a like Hawaiian a, shirt. Yeah, like a Hawaiian I mean, vest. No, so he's, so he's 
stupid. So he's still got Suns Out, Guns Out in his shell, and he's got this amazing raggedy reed hat on, you know, with a ribbon around it. it. And he's got the ukulele and board shorts. The motherfucker's in board shorts. I mean, he is cute. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, what's, what's... Uh, babe, what's the what's the turtle's name in uh, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory? Crush. Yo. Squirt is the little yo, kid. Yo, for though. everybody that likes Crush and Squirt out there, this is the, fucking this is the con- Olu this is, is the where it's at. Where he sings to Duffy. No, no, no. That just looks like generic turtle from uh, from from any any bear well, book or Olu turtle book. Olu was announced last July, so he's the newest friend. Um, Wait, Olu, Olu is a 2018 product? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it get, looks 80s, right? Yo, get yours, Olu. I am praying for you, Olu. I hope Mickey. that next August, Diana is telling me that Olu is the number one selling he doll around on his, the world. On, his shell, on the back of his shell. Wow. Olu is branded like a oh, fucking no, they're, they're iPhone. All, they're all branded. There's Mickey on the butt of every single one of those characters. I would have gone with the foot like Andy on a on a uh, But let me also show you on a Woody doll, but okay, I'll go with butt cheek too. That's kinda weird. But I'm gonna show you if you look at the faces of Duffy and all of his friends, notice that every single one of their faces is Mickey ears in the contrasting lighter part of their fur. Oh, it's there. Yeah. It's there. Mostly I mean Duffy, yeah. I mean, you might be able to get away with saying that, like, that's that's the way not, that not, animal characters look, but it's it's very overt. Yeah. It's very overdone, we would say. So anyway, um, so I went to Hong Kong Disney. So you went to Hong Kong And I Kong met Disney. Cookie, <laughs> and I bought a Cookie thing, and now I'm going to be the envy of every Japanese girl. All right, let's not bury the lead. So you're you're the best at Hong Kong. You're the best at. Jap- Japan, you're the best at Israel, but I I, I gotta get to because we're 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 nearing our three here. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I want to get to the the latest news, fresh. You know, this is seventy two hours fresh ago. Before, like this is before this it is, even opened yet. But that's what I'm saying. This is seventy two hours ago from right now when we're recording. Yeah, and it's before previews even yeah. of this bitch. Talk to us about Galaxy's Edge. Okay, so Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the new Star Wars, or a.k.a. Star Wars Land, uh, is coming to Walt Disney World August 29th. So that's next week. Where else is it going to open? It already opened in Disneyland. Got it. On Labor Day. uh, I'm sorry, on Memorial Day weekend. Got it. The day after Memorial Day weekend. Um, Being a cast member at Disney World, I got to go to cast member previews which means I got to experience the land and the ride, the new ride, with uh, no crowds. Give us the shorter version than you gave me prior to this recording. Um, it is awesome. <laughs> it's on a planet called Batu, which is a made-up planet just for the land. Disney's using this, like, Switzerland safe space where everyone in the galaxy can go to this trading port. Which makes sense since since Star Wars always set us up in the most dangerous lands to be in if you were an outsider. Right. <laughs> known so this, to all of space. Right. So this is like you might see Kylo Ren because he has to pick up parts for a ship. Or you might see Chewbacca and Han because this has a place to dock the Millennium Falcon. Right. 
or you might you're going to see shops and merchants. Right. And this is like it's a trading port. Not like not like it's you're the on Switzerland of the universe. It's the Switzerland. Not like you're on Tatooine, which is the jumpy like yeah, yeah, south yeah. of the universe, where it's like. Y'all, if I don't recognize you and know you by your first, last name, and can, then I'm going to shoot you in the but fucking mouth has, at this here bar. This has a Tatooine feel for it, for sure. Right. It has that desert. It's not too de- It's got a lot. Let me tell you, the rock work, just the cemented, the cement-created rocks are unbelievable in this land. Just like the way they've constructed mountains and spires and a fake obsidian that looks real. Like, it's insane. When we say in colloquial English, they broke the mold on this one, they broke the mold on every motherfucking rock that was created in this place. When you look at it... You feel, you really feel like you're in a Star Wars movie. It is completely artificial and looks completely natural right. like a weathered aged rock that has existed for millennia Correct. on another planet Correct. and was naturally formed it's unfucking real you really feel like you're on a star wars planet but not one you've ever seen before which is a really incredible thing to create like wow i feel like i'm in a star wars movie Yet I've never seen any of this IP before. Well, which you and have to do. And that's what's so incredible. So they they want you to create your own Star Wars story. Which, well, which I which, did air quotes doing that. Yeah, of course. Which you have to do if you're Disney and Star Wars at this point. Because, and I've heard this on other podcasts, so I'm going to give all, all credence to, uh, yeah, do it on this one. Because if you like Star Wars and you're an adult, you're a fucking nut job. Sure. You're generally a nut job for Star Wars. You mean if you like new Star Wars? No, if you like any Star Wars and you're an adult, you're a nut job. And I only mean this in the most most polite and endearing way because you're a nut job for the details of Star Wars. You're a nut job for the history of Star Wars. You love this about it. You love that about it. I'm one of these people. You Malin's, love inno- Malin's inno- one of these people. You're one of these people. And you but love you innovation know, and movies you know, and cinematic history. You know so much about it that you know that you're not going to get faked out by anything. So you have to be given a new story. You have yeah. to be given a new planet because otherwise you're going to say bullshit on anything. You're going to call bullshit on the first thing that doesn't feel like Tatooine. Right, right. That doesn't feel like the, you know, the, the, the base on Hoth. Batu, You're going to yeah. fucking kill somebody if it doesn't ring true. So they know that they don't want to get killed by a parade of adults that right. are pretending to be kids in these parks. Because let's be honest, this, this, this land is geared towards adults. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But... But also at this point, it's geared towards sixty-year-olds. But also to create fans with their new intellectual property, because there is not much present aside from the Millennium Falcon that is old Star Wars. It doesn't have to be. I think it should. No, no, no. It should be, but it doesn't have to be because of what we just said. No, I do think it has to be because it's failing in Disneyland. It'll get there. It's gonna. It's failing because it's not reaching the. the Star Wars fans, but it 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 is okay. Listen, it's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be the conservative one here on the Disney front, and I know that Disney would like to have 
be in the black and have returns on the reg, but also I think that Iger knows and people know that you can wait on some things that their, their boon is gonna come, right? Especially when it comes to something, these Marvel products, yes, a lot of Marvel products ring true to, you know, adults and kids, but, you know. Yeah, but Bob Chapek, the president of Parks, is shitting his pants right now. Yeah, yeah. And he's and probably he, and he gonna lose be. his job. And he should be. He's being primed for CEO. There's no way he's getting it if if Galaxy's Edge is failing, which it's doing. No, they're already offering uh, discounted park tickets in Disneyland and all these special offers because people are not going. Well, they should stop doing that. That's exactly the wrong move, and I'm actually embarrassed that they're doing something like that. But I, I, I just, I, uh, you haven't even heard. You haven't even seen when did when did it open for. Disneyland? May 30, the last so day of you, May. So you haven't even seen one holiday season. You saw the summer. That's a big that's holiday season. That's not a holiday season. That's not. That's that summer. It's not. It's it's fine. It's whatever. And, and you definitely expect numbers in the summer. But until you've seen a Christmas, you can't make a determination on anything, especially when it comes to these parks. Until you've seen a fall and a Christmas, there ain't nothing happening. And... I mean, lots of people didn't know, people that aren't Disney heads didn't even know this thing happened. I mean, really. There, you've got parents that have not gone out there and figured this stuff out. You've right. got parents out there, you've got parents who know Star Wars and love Star Wars who haven't even figured out that Disney fucking bought Star Wars yet. Yeah, it's I crazy. mean, honestly. So it's gonna, it's gonna come around and I, 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 it's weird for me to be on this side of things where I'm the Disney apologist, but I will say <laughs> that you've got to build on something. You've got to wait on something like this. This is not an instant Yeah, but instant Pandora return. opened and it, and it boosted the attendance at Animal Kingdom forever. That was- That day. But that was, that was at, at an existing park already. This is at an this existing is, park too. This is in Disneyland. This is in the land? This is in Disneyland. And this is in Hollywood Studios. It's in Hollywood Studios. Yeah, right. and the other one's in the other one's fucking Disneyland. Where's Pandora? Animal Kingdom. In which location? In the new Pandora World of Avatar section. But in Disney World or Disneyland? In Disney World and Animal Kingdom. Disney World is a different market. It gets more tourists. Disneyland is a bunch of locals, and the locals are not going to Disneyland. Yeah, and you know what I say about those locals, and and you can quote me on this. Because you jack their annual passes you before can, it opens. You can quote me on this because I have always I have always been of this, and this is a Dolcrans official position. Uh, L.A. people can suck everyone's fat chubby one. They are the worst consumers. No, really. They're the worst consumers of any medium ever. Not not their Disney. They're big Disney consumers. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you could say you could say they're big fucking Lakers and Clippers consumers too, but you'd be wrong cuz they don't know shit. They don't go to games. They go to half of them. They don't actually participate in things. They are really whack when it comes to consumption. They don't they don't move the bar. And my guess is that people inside baseball realize that they are not the measure of success. They can't be. Mm. 
for the fact that they are locals and you're not in a local business. I'm sorry. Is, is Disneyland there, is a local business, believe it or not. Then Disneyland is the wrong business. And Disneyland should be, what was the Japanese brand you were touting earlier? Or the Duffy? Chinese brand? No, 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 no. The, the company that runs those Oh, parks. Oriental Land Company. Then you should be Oriental Land Company because you're, you're well, no Well, Oriental Land Disney. Company, D- Jap- Tokyo Disney is a majority of locals also. And it's very successful. There's not a lot of foreigners that go to Tokyo Disneyland. There's not a lot of foreigners that go to any Disney park other than the people that surround it. That's weird as shit. Like... Disneyland Paris is 50% French, 50% British, because it's right there. It's the way it is. A lot of Spaniards, well, Europe, too. <coughs> hey, Europe, we're not talking about. No. We're not talking about Europe. Shanghai okay. Disney is all Chinese. Because Hong Kong Disney because, is all people from Hong Kong. Because France is the Jersey Shore of Britain. It is. Okay? And, and, and uh, fucking Spain and and Portugal are the Brighton Beach of Greece. So like right. we're just we're not doing any of that. Okay. Because we know that they're so, all they're all just states. So anyway, back to Galaxy's Edge. Um, the details were incredible. Uh, the blue milk was weird, but it should be. Tasted strange. It's a coconut rice-based drink, not dairy. Um, I don't know. I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I liked how the merch all looked like like it was made by artisans and there wasn't like a Star Wars box or a Star Wars name anywhere. They really made it look like the planet. The cast members can pick and choose their costumes so they look like Locals and it's funny the the cast members that were at the preview all dressed up like their own kind of Star Wars character. Yeah. So they can like cosplayed basically like their own thing, which I thought was really interesting. No one was really dressed up like Chewie or Han or Leia. They kind of just like wore like linen scarves and stuff and like looked like they everyone cast members that worked there and the cast members that were there as guests all looked like Star Wars extras. Yeah. Because they really are encouraging this, like, build, build your own Star Wars story, which is creative. For me, I'm just like, yeah, I just want to relive the old stuff again and again. But I'm nostalgic like that. So that's just me. But, yeah, the ride was just okay. And the it's ride not, is just okay. And it's not even worth talking it, about. Because it's not worth it. But, it. but it also isn't the final ride. It's, it's like it's the small world of that. Right. The big the Space Mountain is being built. Right. Small world is already there. Is right. is basically the analogy. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. So I'm just I I I think that it's going to be exciting. I know they started uh, annual pass holder previews. So people yeah. that have an annual pass, their lines have been an hour. Um, ours were five minutes. Right. So there's clearly more people at the annual pass holder previews. Right. Uh, and it's going well so far. Every- I, 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 I just I can't let this go right now because I've, I've never felt this passionately about anything Disney in my life. But I I I want to I want to get at something right now. Sure. So you you tell me right now, Diana, because mm-hmm. neither one of us are MBAs. Neither one of us know a goddamn thing about business. No. But I know 
that you know Disney. My and friend, know, my friends at NBA who's passionate about Disney, and we talk about it all and the time. And I know, right, and let them deal with that. But I know that you know Disney, right? You've worked at Disney since you were 19. 19. You have worked 18 for years. Disney. If I'm, if I'm okay saying, you've worked for Disney for half of your life. Am I okay saying that, that on Yeah, air? and you know what's crazy? I'm working with kids, and I say kids. The, the, my peers that I've been working with, some of them are 18 now. You have Which worked, is insane. You have worked at Disney for longer than these people have been alive. And they just started working there. You, it's nuts. You know Disney. I know it so very well. So let me ask you a few, a short series of questions. Shoot. What is your favorite park in Disney World? Uh, Animal Kingdom. Total fucking success. I walked into there. It is a sight to behold. It's great. It is next to La Sagrada Familia in terms of experiences on my fucking bucket list that I am like, check, check, check. That was life changing. You didn't even know it was a bucket it, list item. It's fucking La Sagrada Familia, Hamilton, and fucking Disney fucking Animal Kingdom. And I didn't even know it. But as soon as I saw that tree, I was like, Shit, kill me right now. This is it. That's Done. all Joe Rody. How about how about uh your your uh uh your your ringtone for the last several months or previous several months, the uh Snow White uh uh what is it? The the dwarfs mine ride. What 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 is that called? Seven Dwarves Mine Train. How's the Seven Dwarves Mine Train doing as a ride? Uh, it's a hundred, it's over a hundred minutes every day. It's over a hundred minute wait every, every day. day. Again, this even is even on a Wednesday during school. This is a person that knows Disney. You, you were on that ride in previews. If I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken, I was in that ride within its first few months, within its first few months. And you've been on it probably several dozen times since I'm going to say I've been on it nine times. Okay. A dozen times. Let's be, let's be generous here. I took you. Oh, we went, we went. Oh yeah. my God. We got that hooked up. Is- yeah. Dope as shit. It's a really great coaster. I know that, and but I'm. It's the but perfect. I'm not gonna pretend perfect, that I know Disney. It's the perfect balance of like a little thrill with that Disney magic. But my question is, would you have made that your ringtone if that was a shitty ride? No. No. My point being, Gio actually didn't like that ride in China at all, and it's the same one. But my he's point being a pain in the butt. My, <laughs> my point being, you you like things that are very good for Disney. And you would not like things that were bad for Disney. Right. And not because you know between good business and bad business. I think they should just get rid of Dumbo the Flying Elephant because it's a carnival ride. But because you gutturally know this feels good and this feels like Disney. And you are that person that knows when it's right and when it's not right. right. So for you to say that about Dumbo is not about like, hey, I hate Dumbo, or hey, Walt was wrong. It's more just like, hey, this ain't working. This, it just the times have hit. changed. We it don't need Dumbo anymore. No, it just doesn't hit kids. It just doesn't do this, and it doesn't matter if you make a new movie. It's just still not going to hit. Right. Unless you update it, unless you do this, it just won't hit right, and people aren't going to wait for it, and, and that's they part of the measure. They do wait for it, but yeah. But Because they think it's classic, and they know it's classic. So my point in saying all of this is to say – Fuck the numbers. 
fuck all that shit. If it's good, it's good. You gotta, you know, listen, there's people out there that, that want to believe that you can boil anything down to saber metrics, that you can boil it down to data. Sure. Right? But, but I don't Disney's know. Disney's a company but I don't that's know. like that Diana, now. It's Diana, all about the books. Diana, I have followed baseball, saber metrics. It hasn't worked. I have followed education, data. It doesn't hasn't worked. work. Oh, we know that. Okay. You can follow Disney. Listen, I go back to it. And and I would say Eisner had smart moves. Oh sure, he sure did. He did. Did he, he fail? He, he, he also failed. He made the Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Yeah, he had great moves, and he also failed a lot. There is no playbook that makes sense. Right. There is no magic golden meridian that you can just Eisner bought power down. And Eisner bought Star Wars, Marvel, and Pixar. All good moves, but now. But now we'll see now, what happens. Now he now, has a Star now, Wars that's not making now money. Now you've got to, yeah, exactly. Now because you're in the red and you've got to power too, through. The new Star Wars movies are not reaching out to the fans. And it's not offering the fans what they want. And I think the acquisition of Star Wars, while making a lot of money, I think Disney is burying the franchise into the ground. It was a lot. Lucas doesn't care anymore because he's not. It's he doesn't care. It was a lot to take on. It's it's meaty when you're also acquiring Marvel simultaneously. It's literally simultaneously. Literally, weeks apart. Hey, we're also see. go see Toy Story four because that movie was incredible. You saw Toy Story four. It's so good. All right, for the record, y'all. Toy Story 2 is the greatest movie of all time. So good. Al's Toy Barn, so good. Toy Story 3 can eat my ass. Hated it. Okay, Worst if you don't like I've Toy Story 3, then you life. might not like Toy Story 4. It's very emotional and then, very deep. Then I probably want there never to be a Woody or Buzz Lightyear ever again. Uh, if you're telling me Geo that. cried during Toy Story 4. I'm not saying it's not okay to cry. It's I, a dark movie. I like crying during movies. Toy Story movies. 4 is an actual dark movie. Well, Toy Story 3 was a pretend dark movie, and it still sucked. So, unless you're an actually dark I movie like and Toy you Story deserve... I like Toy Story better than 3. Unless you're an actually dark movie and you deserve to be a dark movie, I'm going to have a problem with you. The but if you can earn it, if you can earn it... Hey, I'm with you. I think they can earn it. The best part about Toy Story 3 was the daycare center scene. And if anyone denies that, you're wrong. No, that's genius. That's genius. Yeah. But then half an hour on a conveyor belt to Doom is the worst thing I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That is the worst Act 3 problem I've ever seen in my entire life. And, again, anybody that tells me otherwise is lying, has never watched a movie in their entire life. Because either you die in that act three, or that act three doesn't happen at all. Because that's a problem. I really thought they were going to die. They were supposed to die. <laughs> everything, everything in my fucking body told me, this is the end of the franchise, yeah. and it's supposed to be okay. Because after this, we will have a catharsis. After this, we will have a scene where Andy 
and the family are okay. And we remember again that toys and aren't real. And things just go in the landfill. And, and things die. Objects die, and it's okay. It was okay. very Wally. It could have been like the best. The best. I mean, Wally is the best. That's Geo's favorite it's, Pixar movie. Wally. It's, it's the reason Wally will never have a sequel because they know it can't be matched. No, it can't. And honestly, don't touch it. Like, you go around Disney World now and you see these fat people in these wheelchairs drinking sodas and they look just like the fat people in Wally and it's scary. Excuse me. We're like turning into Wally. Excuse Wall-E. me. Excuse me. Uh, what is the what is the company in Wally called? Big and large. Big and large. Everything is big and large. Oh my god, it's getting scary at Disney World when you see these people in these electric wheelchairs. Everything is big and large in 2018. As I lounge on this couch, and while it will be in 2020. While speaking to this microphone upside down because I'm tired and it's the end of the day, but I think that's a show, Gabe. I think that's it. So we are going to call it a wrap. We appreciate you listening. You definitely have to turn this into like four episodes. Oh, this is a two-parter minimum. This might be a three-parter. Thank you for joining me and my lovely co-host, the lady, the Dazzling D, Dazzling Diana, of course, bearing the Dolcrans t-shirt. I am. Just buy your kids teacher school supplies, okay? And happy back to school time. Be back to school. We very much appreciate you listening. You better we play Welcome Back, on. Cotter, for the theme song for welcome this. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. See you next time.